everybody. Come on, pick up the hitting. I'm Mike. That's Tommy. Hey, what's up? That's Kevin. What's up, y'all? Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Thanks for telling your friends. We got a guest today. I'm excited about this one. He is Jack White, hockey trainer slash technical advisor for all three Mighty Ducks movies. He was a referee in the Mighty Ducks in D2, Coach Wilson in D3. Uh, thanks for being here, Jack. Appreciate it. It's an absolute pleasure. So you mentioned in kind of our emails back and forth you were an animator before. Uh, you were a hockey coach. How did you get into the Hollywood scene and become this uh, advisor for the Mighty Ducks movies? Well, it's, I'll try to make it as short as I can. Uh, when I went to L.A., uh, I was out in L.A. almost 30 years animating. and uh, But being a Canadian by birth, I just I loved the game and uh, had to play it. And uh, I always found a rink. And I ended up in Van Nuys, California. And just around the corner, there was a small rink called Iceland. And it was a perfect place to go. I literally was five minutes to the rink. And uh, not only did I play a lot of senior hockey in there, pick up the hockey, and uh, we actually started doing clinics there. And nobody else was really doing clinics in L.A. at the time. And over a, a, a couple of years, maybe four or five, uh, word would get around. They would, uh, there were some kids who would drive an hour and a half to get there. But anyhow, that was how it all started to develop. And uh, the first actor I ever worked with there was uh, Paul Michael Glazer, who played Starsky in Starsky and Hutch. Nice. Nice. So, when you get into this, uh, I mean, was was the Mighty Ducks your first kind of like role as a technical advisor, or did you do other hockey films before then? Or? What? Well, uh, how that worked? I had a friend who was into hockey, and he uh, uh, he called me one day and he said, "Jack, on Wednesday they're doing a Budweiser commercial. We need an extra player. Would you come out and be a part of it?" And uh, that was the only afternoon I had off. And I said, okay, I'm in. We went and we were shooting it at the forum and uh, everybody jumped on the ice and they were running around skating and wanted to experience that. And my instincts were just go over. A couple of guys were talking and planning things. And I just went over and kind of stood beside them. That was the stroke of genius for me because uh, next thing you know, one of the gentlemen was the director. He turned to me and said, well, we need you, and we need one more guy. And the guy who invited me was the one I, I called over, Mike Kelly, and we had to fight. It was a commercial for Budweiser about uh, referees. <laughs> so that was my first one. And uh, about six months later, the same director was doing another commercial and uh, remembered me, grabbed me, and uh, I had to fight somebody in the uh, penalty box. Uh, an actor named Steve Gianelli used to sit at the bar in the Cheers series. Uh, quick question. Did you get free beer for appearing in this Budweiser commercial? No. Unfortunately, I, I had all the beer I wanted to drink on a Coors commercial. And <laughs> I'm not much of a beer drinker. And I literally drove home with my hand out the door of the car using the speed bumps to get me there. I was <laughs> okay. So, and then that kind of involves into the movies, and, and you get the Mighty Ducks. Um, what does being a technical advisor actually mean? What are you doing on, like, a daily basis? Well, there were a couple of different roles. One of them was making sure the hockey looked right and had the right feel. And uh, the other thing, obviously, was that I had to teach these kids to skate who had never skated before. No matter what they tell you, they could not <laughs> skate. So. <laughs> 
And oh, and while I was on the first Mighty Ducks, it was an interesting story because uh, I had been offered the Ninja Turtles uh, animated series. And the same week, as luck would have it, I got the call for the Ducks, and I said, I'm doing the Mighty Ducks. That's going to be a lot more interesting. And so while I would work in the mornings uh, on the ice with the kids, I'd go back to the office, and I just storyboarded the uh, the action. So uh, it wasn't so much I was trying to uh, do it, but it was just because of my background with animation. I understood that part of it, and uh, I knew I would need the boards for myself. And they used them, so all of a sudden I'm now a storyboard guy. And so when you first see these kids, and we've we've talked to a couple of the actors, they talked. Well, there was like a camp beforehand. Like your first day at yep. that camp, do you look at them? Are you like, oh my god, like these kids are terrible. I can never get them going. Or do you have like a good set of like, okay, I know exactly how I can make these kids competent players. Well, I have to give credit to my wife because when we were in L.A., there was money left over from the Olympics, and we started a program and uh, with little kids. My my daughter Brooke was about eight at the time, and she said, Jack, you have to do this. It's funny in life how people tell you, you have to do this. And I said, look, I'm used to working with more advanced players. You know, I had a little more an attitude about who I was and everything. She said, you don't understand. You have to do this. So I did. The little guys, uh, you know, they all stumbled on the ice there, and I just started putting things together quickly for them. And so when the time came, I'd been doing it for two or three years. So now we, we started the club, kept going with all that. And when I, I got to the uh, Little Mighty Ducks, I'd, I'd been in a situation most of my life where I was taking kids that had never really played much and tried to develop them. And that seemed to be more interesting than sitting there with uh, a lot of all-stars. So that's what I did. And I, I wasn't afraid of it. And if, if I didn't do a good job, I would not be back after a week or two because they come and watch. They they want to see how you progress, and uh, it went well. Do you remember uh, who was perhaps the worst or the hardest for you to or for you to train? Not really, uh, because actors are interesting. They once they've gotten that part, they they're in for it. They read it, and this is an interesting thing. You know, if it's on paper. And they, it says, I'm going to be a goal scorer. They believe they'll be a goal scorer because they get into the part. The, uh, I, I enjoyed them. They were, uh, they were a treat to work with because they were so enthusiastic. So every actor we've talked to said that they lied and said they could skate. Did you have any expectations going in that they could skate? No idea, but here's what I did. As soon as they came to me, when we were on location in Minnesota, they would be brought into my office, which was a, in a big warehouse area. And I would, they'd be about 20 feet away from me. I'd say, okay, skate to me. And they'd pretend they were skating. And what that was telling me was whether they were going to be coachable or not. And it wasn't one that failed. Okay. So not one in the bunch was, wasn't coachable. No. Uh, but again, because I've been listening to your podcast, uh, you're going to get to the point where we had the, the player that was uh, released from camp, uh, the Banks character. Yeah. What do you remember and about him? him? I'm going to tell you my part of it. We okay. were out on the ice, and I have brought in, I always brought in people who were around that might be interesting for the kids. And I had Eric Strobel, who was an Olympian, 1980 team. He was on the ice with me, and we had a drill where kids would skate down the ice, and you shoot pucks, you try to nail them, in the skate blade, and that means they're out. They have to go to the side. Well, 
we're doing that as the kids are skating around, uh, through, and the kid who's going to play Banks decided he would shoot one back at Eric Strobel, hit him in the chest. Ooh. So we knew we had a problem there. The next time uh, he was on the ice, just maybe a couple of days later, he uh, uh, cross-checked Marguerite in the back, and that was the end of him. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. This is fantastic info. Though. Yeah, this is like blowing my mind right now. So this this Banks kid was he a good hockey player at all, or did he just think he was this hot shot? He wasn't bad, and that was terrific if he had been a good kid. But unfortunately, he wasn't, and it just uh, 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 who knows what was going on. But it was all about you know. I think he felt he was better than everybody, and he was going to uh, you know he was going to uh, let people know. But he uh, obviously had a anger problem. Okay, so. We're on like a quest to find this person and talk to them. Uh, do you know? Do you remember his name at all? I'm not going to tell you guys. I would be okay. unprofessional. Okay. I can't do that. It's because, very professional. You know, you. Yeah, kid, you know what I'm saying. So, yeah, <laughs> we just try to drag people down into this. <laughs> of course you do. I don't blame you, but uh, I can't do it. Okay, so your kids were all like stand-ins and stunt doubles for the movies did you pick that or how did they kind of get involved well that's an interesting thing because you you have a you bring them all out and what i look for anytime when i'm in a situation like that is i'm looking for a look do they look comfortable do they look like they can handle certain things and then the other if it's a problem is matching them up with the different actors you know if you've got little uh uh, Peter Mark was a tiny guy, so I had to find a tiny guy, and hopefully he could play. One of the drawbacks is that on the first movie, because they were so young, and if I would have probably three uh, different doubles, because if there was a, a, a hockey game scheduled, they're not coming to the movie set. They could care less, because the game was more important to them. Mm-hmm. So on any given day, I would uh, never know what I was going to be getting that day. So I might get the great double, I might medium double, or maybe the kid who could barely handle it, but he looked right. So those were the things you dealt with, and every day was an adventure, I'll tell you that. So how did you kind of, I guess this might not be your call, but how did they kind of decide what the stand-ins did versus what the actual actors did, and how much did that have to do with like how skillful the actors were? Well, I, I think, you know, that's, you guys are really thinking about this stuff. This is good. The, um, <laughs> you know, you were in a situation where you just had to make it work. In other words, there's no easy answer. If whoever I had, and I knew what my scenes were going to be, I knew what the action was, and because I had storyboarded, but every once in a while on the, uh, first film, Steve Herrick, who was the director, said, uh, Jack, uh, come over here. And I said, yeah. And he said, I've got a clock up here. I like to put the camera on that. I like to come down and come across and have the kids do this little play and then put it in the net. Well, I had to then go and plan it out because we had not storyboarded it. So this was a little test and uh, they stand around and wait. And um, when you're on a uh, Hollywood movie set, time is expensive. So you got to be pretty good at it. So I'm laying everything out. And one of my advisors said, or not my advisor, one of my assistants said, 
this looks a little awkward, Jack. And I said, if you ever say that to me again, I'll fire you on the spot because it's always awkward because you have to work it out. It's, it's just not easy because these kids have no clue. You have to guide them through. So it worked out. Everything went well. But uh, you, you're always waiting for the shoe to drop. It, you, you hope things go well, and most of the time they do. So you mentioned that as a technical advisor, your job was kind of to make sure the hockey looked right. Did you take any issue with all the things that were obviously like impossible in a hockey game, like the flying V or, or the knuckle puck, things like that? Well, Steve Brill, I thought, wrote a brilliant script. And I love Steve because he's a little nuts, and that <laughs> made it very interesting. But the thing was, it's a movie. So it is a kid's movie. So it all made sense. Now, think about this. They've used the flying V and various formations in pro hockey. Mm -hmm. These things, once, once you see it on film, and this is an interesting thing, people go, yeah, we can do that. Why can't we try that? In fact, the Swedish teams, the national teams will do a thing where they, they'll throw the puck in, they'll flood his own. It's a variation. So you get the people thinking beyond, outside the box, and that's what you want. So kids get excited. So you were also in the films, as, as I mentioned before. Did you ask to be in the films? How did that come about? No, they offered it to me because if I played the ref, I'm on the ice with them all the time. So oh. if there's a problem, I'm right there. Boom. Okay, let's do this. Let's do that. So that worked. And it's an extra paycheck. Thank you very much. All right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, how do you... When you look back, how do you like evaluate your performance as a referee and as Coach Wilson as well? Well, I don't like to look at myself because <laughs> I've realized all the stuff I've done. Uh, it kind of looks kind of corny, but the uh, it just it's a fun thing to do. And like to play uh, Coach Wilson, that was fun because I could be kind of a jerk, you know, because he was a mean <laughs> type guy. So that gave me a little fun to, to work with. One of the fun things about doing the coach's part was on the first film, uh, Lane Smith, who played the coach, I could show him all the nasty things you do as a coach, how you, you kind of pull at your collar and your hands on the hip and, you know, the, the look and all that. So it was fun to watch him take some of those suggestions and use it to his advantage. Now, how did the the varsity coach thing come about? Did you expect to just play a ref in the third one as well? No, they they said, hey, Jack, you've already played two refs. We can't have you on every, you know, you kept your ref all the time. But we're going to give you, we're going to give you a part. We'll make you uh, the coach of the uh, varsity team, which was great. Mm -hmm. I mean, did you model yourself after any varsity, any coach? Nope. You just play yourself, you know? Yep. Okay. So I mean, how much of the how much of the blame do you think the varsity coach uh, uh, deserves for that loss to the JV there? Uh, if it had been a real game, we would have won. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Because of superior superior coaching or superior talent? Uh, a little bit of both. <laughs> okay. So for some of these iconic things, um, like the knuckle puck. And the triple deke, like how much uh, input did you have in, in kind of forming them, and uh, or did you kind of just take it from what Steve Brill and the director said? Well, we knew in the script uh, that we were going to have to do the triple deke. So 
Charlie would stay with me after the uh, uh, we were done for the day, and we spent an hour, maybe an hour and a half, just working on that drill. Now, what I did with these kids, if say Charlie had to develop this triple deke, I created a drill for him, which I called an extension drill. And basically, it's you you put the uh, puck out to your side, you drop a knee, you bring it back over to the other side, uh, switch hands, and so that was far more difficult. By doing that, he not only did I build up his skating, and all of a sudden he became a little bit, uh, he could use left and right hand, uh, it, it built confidence. Once he got that, now when we go back to doing the triple deke, it's not as tough. He's, he doesn't have the pressure. Mm-hmm. Do you think, so, uh, do you think, I mean, Josh really like understood it? Did, did he get better at the triple deke? Like, how did you think it turned out in the actual film? I, I thought it was done well, and I thought he did very well. I mean, because he was eager, he wanted to do it, and uh, yeah, it wasn't bad at all. I'm going to tell you another story if if you got time. Yeah. Remember, remember the cowboy? Dwayne yeah. yeah. O'Neill. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll jump forward a little bit. When we were on the set with him, he uh, he came to me and he said, "Coach, coach," he said, I, "I'm not doing very well. I'm having a tough time. Like, you know, everybody's better than me." So. What I have to do is not have a problem. I have to have a solution. So my thing was, I, from the blue line into the boards, I, I, you know, we kind of walled it off with uh, different things. And uh, I said, okay, guys, everybody's going to skate, and Cowboy's going to lasso you, because he always had a lasso with him. Mm-hmm. So he went around, and he forgot he had to skate, because he, he was so intent on getting that lasso on these different players, and he did very well at it. That's how he became a skater. He, we overcame it that way. We gave him something else to distract him, and that works a lot. So it, it really went well for him. Steve Brill, being around all the time, saw it, and that got written into the movie. Wow. Wow. That's yeah. just pure genius so, right there. Yeah. But little things happen, and you you know, you know kind of seize on it. Uh, like, I'll talk about Goldberg a little bit. I love Sean Weiss. He was a character. He walked on the set every day. You thought he was the director. He was just a really <laughs> funny kid. And when we would practice, we were in L.A. We ran one of the practices there for a while. And uh, I would have different people come out. Uh, we had MacGyver skate with us, um, Peter Berg. You know, obviously, Bro was there all the time. Anybody else who was around, uh, if they could play and wanted to play, I'd put, on, put them on the ice. Because I didn't want the kids to think it was all about them. In fact, they said, why are these guys here? This is our ice. Well, I wanted to break that down. So um, so those were some of the things I did to uh, just kind of create a different atmosphere for them. And so in D1, how bad of an actor is Mike Madonna? Mike was good. Yeah, he's a Detroit <laughs> boy. No problem. Michigan uh, kid, you know, yeah. played for Little Caesars. Not bad. And very comfortable, and and he smartest thing he ever did to have Basil McRae with him because Basil was basically his bodyguard when they played hockey. So Mike was not dumb. So uh, I guess kind of stepping out of the Mighty Ducks a little bit, who's the best actor that you've ever had to instruct? The the best Michael as far Keaton. as hockey skills go. Michael Keaton. Well, no, I'm going to give you two. Michael Keaton on uh, it was the first movie I ever worked on. Uh, a thing called touch and go and then uh uh what no it wasn't db was great uh db sweeney but the the kid that learned the fastest 
was what was the kid's name? I'm talking to my assistant, my wife. Matt. <laughs> oh, Matt Lawrence. Remember the Lawrence brothers? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Matt had to do a, a film for Disney. It was called H.E. Double Sticks. We shot it up in Vancouver. Oh, I he remember had that. Two weeks. He had two weeks to learn, and in two weeks, he he was unbelievable. And I used every trick that I had developed, and and because he was athletic and willing, it it went very well. And he went up to Vancouver, and he was not embarrassed because you're playing with a lot of really good players up there. And and so if you uh if you had a team of just the uh the duck actors or even anyone who was in the Mighty Ducks movies, you have a team of those kids. How would they do against a regular, I guess, junior hockey team or against similar, I guess, levels uh, when they're at at the respective ages? Well, you've got to look at uh, Matt Doherty could play, uh, Garrett Ratcliffe could play. Uh, there were uh, there were four or five of the kids that could play. Uh, Banks wasn't bad, you know. They they all developed because think about it. We went through. To me, it's like three generations. When you look at the first film, second, and then the third, these kids were growing and maturing. The biggest problem I had with the kids is after the success of the first one, on the second one, they're going, what do we have to do this for? We're pretty good. So I constantly had to show them they weren't that good. Mm-hmm. And remember Kenny Wu? Yeah. Uh, well, that character, he was probably at that time on the second film the best skater because he had had some figure skating in the background in his background so but they were all feeling pretty good about themselves so one of my sons pj perry uh you'll see him in the scene when emilio gets hurt he comes over and goes to one knee i, I probably sent you a photo of it but anyhow i, I said pj here's what we're going to do we're going to make a little game and because he'd be on the ice with me all the time i said pj uh you're going to skate on one leg and we'll put you over there and kenny you have to tag him you have to tag him on the skate and he's going to skate one leg backwards, going to avoid the uh, tag if he can. Uh, Kenny could not tag him. So what that does is send a very strong message. Hey, boys, maybe you're not where you need to be yet. Mm-hmm. And now, you remember you know, one more example. You got time? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, remember the trainer of the Icelandic team? Yeah. Yeah. Well, she was on the set and very bright, very sharp. And wanted to, she said, I'm here. I want to learn to skate. So we taught her to skate. We had, I'm not going to mention who the two were, but two of the better guys, we had a race. Who do you think won? She did? She did. Wow. Yeah. All of a sudden, the guys go, whoa, maybe we're not as good as we thought we were. So you're <laughs> constantly, but you have to build them up again. But you, you point out certain things, certain realities, so that they start to, uh, okay, maybe it's not that good a deal. Maybe I better work hard. So in D3, going back into the universe, do you think the JV beating the varsity would actually spur the varsity into not thinking they're hot shit anymore and spur them on to, to better uh, better things? Well, it would all be in the training, but unfortunately, uh, when we played, well, the team I had uh, on the varsity team, there was a lot of pretty good hockey talent there. Absolutely. It would have been tough for the I love the Ducks, and they're the underdogs. That would have been terrific, but thank God it was a movie. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I guess last question for me, what kind of impact did you see, I guess, from these movies? Because I think a lot of kids probably got into hockey who might not have been, or maybe got more into hockey who might not have been to it. And what did you see the impact, I guess, culturally, like on the sport? Well, uh, first thing, I remember going to the first screening of the uh, the first film and I remember sitting in the theater and it was wonderful. I mean, it was just such a, a wonderful film to work on 
And behind me, there was a, a little girl and her mom. And the little girl said, Mommy, I got to play hockey. And wherever I go around the country, people still remember and still love the Ducks. It's unbelievable. Um, going back a little bit to the to the actors on the ice, um, did you ever have to break up any fights? Nope. Wouldn't allow it. If I had to break up a fight, uh, which I would do at my clinics once in a while, I would just come in, uh, split them, bang helmets, and that was the end of it. And that was they were done. And and I, to me, it was never who started it. If two were involved, two were in trouble. So, you mentioned you gave up like the Ninja Turtles to do the Mighty Ducks. Did you expect the films to do as well as they did? No, I had no idea. In fact, you know, when you get into doing a film, like when I did Touch and Go, I thought, okay, I'll get one film. This will be terrific. Then I got the Ducks, and I thought. Wow, this is a little bonus. But each one, I figured, would probably be my last one. So I did my best to make it as good as I could for them. So they had a great experience. And we treated them like professional hockey players. I mean, the dressing rooms were set up that way. They were treated that way. And uh, and just and an interesting story about Wayne Gretzky when he came in. Remember that scene? Yeah. Well, when he first walked into, and again, you're talking about all these different things that go on, and yeah, Jack, you know, he's coach, whatever. But anyhow, I'm in the back of the room, and Wayne walked in, and nobody said a word. They were in awe because it's Wayne Gretzky. And he said, hey, Jack, what's going on with these kids? They don't even know who I am. And they all, every head turned and said, he knows who you are. So I had a little respect there for about two or three days. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, nice. Okay, so. Jack, we do this thing called the quack question. Uh, yep. You might be familiar with it. Yeah, we, we ask fans to send in their questions, and yep. we try to answer them. We asked for questions specifically related to you, so Kevin has the quack question for you. Okay. All right, so uh, this one comes from, I forget what his self-appointed title is, uh, head quackalite emeritus uh, Armin, who's at AK to the max. Um, he asks... When you see players get injured in real life, do you actually say, that's hockey? No. You're only <laughs> when you say that. So, although it depends on who it was, too. That's another factor. If he's a mean guy, hey, that's the way it goes. But, uh, you know, but that's part of it. So, yeah, no, you never want to see anybody get hurt. Were there any hockey-related injuries during the filming? I think the only one that I can remember, one of my doubles uh, got a broken collarbone. And what had happened when we were playing on the on the third film, it got pretty rough at a, a certain stages, and uh, and we had a collision, and and he had to we had to lose him because of the uh, broken collarbone. He was a good player too. It was a shame. So there weren't like a million concussions because when we counted the injuries, there were about a million pucks to the head and a million injuries, <laughs> nope, a million concussions. No, nope, no, nope, no, not and because I'm, you know, I can tell when a player's hurt. That's my job to be aware of that kind of stuff. And uh, uh, I can't remember any of them really being hurt. Uh, although I will, yeah. So I think that was it. And yeah. real quick, when you played a referee afterwards, did you have a newfound respect for referees so you didn't yell at them as much as a coach? Well, you know, it's funny because when I started, uh, when I played senior hockey in Dallas, we started the Dallas Junior Hockey Association. So we all, any of the players, we all had to become referees the first year. Otherwise, there was nobody around who could ref. 
So I I had a respect for them for quite a while. I know what it takes to control a game. And uh, it's a thankless job, but you're not doing it for a fan appreciation. You're doing it to protect the player. All right. Awesome. Uh, that is, uh, we're kind of coming up on the time here, Jack. So we appreciate you coming on. Uh, you shared a lot of interesting photos with us as well. We'll put those on the website if that's okay, okay with you. Sure, sure. Okay. And, uh, I mean, for us, thequackdeck.com, that's where you can see all the photos. You can contact us yep. there. Uh, at quackdeckpod on Twitter, facebook.com slash quackdeckpod. Go to iTunes. Give us five stars because... This was amazing. A lot of inside info here. And remember, ducks fly together. Ducks fly together. Quack, quack. <laughs>